It's the Weather Jazz Podcast. Almost anything can happen. Why? Because it's Open Line Friday. Wow, we're almost at the midpoint of May. Well, happy Friday, everybody. We made it. It is the Friday Open Line edition of Weather Jazz. I'm sure some of you are excited about today. Maybe you caught on the last Weather Jazz episode that we would have a special guest today. That's coming up in just a second. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and from time to time, some off-topic things. We're going to stay kind of, sort of on topic today. You'll see why in a second. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 190 for Friday, May 14, 2021. And we are now 41,000 downloads deep into Season 2. Thank you so much for making Season 2 such a fabulous success with every single download and with every single mention to your family, friends, whoever might be interested in the sciences, in particular weather. We do that a lot on Mondays. We cover all kinds of science things on Wednesdays, and on Fridays we keep it kind of a free-for-all day, and we can do science, we can do weather, but we can also do all kinds of other interesting topics. Well, today I have a special guest. For those of you who live in Northeast Ohio, this person is no stranger to you. And outside of Ohio, you're still going to find this interview fascinating. And our guest today is Jen Harcher. She is one of our meteorologists on staff at WJW Television. And we had the opportunity to sit down and chat a little bit yesterday. We cover all kinds of interesting things from her career moves, what got her interested in meteorology, to some of the other things that she is interested in other than weather and science and just about everybody has a hobby or two and so we'll discuss that as well let's dive right in because we have uh, quite a lengthy interview so let's begin right now with our conversation with meteorologist jen harcher Jan, I've been looking forward to this. Welcome to Weather Jazz. Andre, thank you so much for having me. I've been telling viewers that this is my bucket list is be on your Weather <laughs> Jazz podcast because I'm a loyal listener. I love it, and it is so interesting. Well, uh, hopefully one of many more times to come. So anytime you have something going on that you want to talk about, you just let me know. And you have carte blanche on weather jazz and that's a french term thank you thank you for the invite you know what i took french in high school and i don't know the term <laughs> i forgot french uh, carte blanche a white card in other words you mm -hmm. you have free reign so nice. uh good to have you uh, I, I want this uh, to be first of all this open line friday okay open line friday it can be anything i mean literally I've had everything from making ice cream in Fairbanks, Alaska, wow. to 
uh, the uh, Iceland's number one pop singer, Jon Jonsson, on once. Uh, I've, I've interviewed people all across the country on various subjects. Mm-hmm. So literally, you can go anywhere we want to go. Okay. But um, I'm hoping that people will get the opportunity to get to know Jen Hartcher on a more personal level. And so I guess we ought to start at the beginning. By the way, I've got okay. one or two or three listener questions mm-hmm. um, ready in the queue. Okay. But let's start at the beginning. What got you interested in meteorology? Okay. So at a very early age, I'm talking probably around third grade, I was really interested in the different cloud formations. So if you speak to some of my childhood friends, they would say, we knew that she was going to become a weathercaster or meteorologist because I was constantly talking about the clouds. Now, the one thing that kind of tipped it off, um, we had uh, at recess time, it was fifth grade, and we would practice because at the very end of the school year, the teachers would play against the fifth graders. So Mm -hmm. we were practicing kickball and it was a beautiful, bright blue, sunny day, Northeast Ohio in Chardon. That's where I grew up. And all of a sudden, right over the high school. So our elementary school was near the high school. A big dark cloud like started racing our way. You know, one of those wall clouds. I know it's a wall cloud now, but mm-hmm, you know, some of those mm-hmm. move at 50 to 60 miles per hour. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that cloud looks scary. And so I went to go and race and tell the teacher. And uh, at that point, the principal came out blowing her whistle, like, everybody get inside kind of thing. Nothing happened. Like we all went in and, you know, it was a severe thunderstorm. Um, but at that point, I said, hmm, I, I saw that cloud. I was going to warn the teacher I'm destined to become a meteorologist. So that was that's what, what really sparked my interest, cloud formations at first. And from that point on, it was no stopping Jen Harcher from no. observing the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. What did you do then in middle school or high school? Was there anything that any <sighs> extracurricular activities that really propelled mm-hmm. you into that direction? Well, okay, so I had two two events in middle school when I was in seventh grade. Uh, we had. Uh, science class and in that science class they showed uh those extreme weather videos like the flooding the hurricanes the tornadoes and at that point i was hooked now in high school we had uh the big snow event in chardon where the national guard got called in and uh, we got dumped on of like it was 62 inches of snow lake effect snow and so that really set the bar that one thing was uh, telltale that hey i really want to do that because we were we were watching the weather of course um, my parents always watched fox 8 growing up so um and, you know, with lake effects, no, especially earlier on, it's it's a challenge to forecast. Mm-hmm. And so my parents would always um, kind of make fun of us meteorologists because they'd say, you can't say two to 12 inches of snow. And, you know, that's why we always say where bands persist, where they set up, why we only give like a 12 hour forecast when we're talking about lake effect snow, because it can shift. So I understand that now. But before I'm like, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> what's going on with this weather? How come we got dumped on and I go to grandma's house at Maple Heights and they've got like two inches of snow and we've got three feet of snow on the ground. So at, from there I was hooked and um, I knew I wanted to become a meteorologist. I went to Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. In fact, AJ Colby mm -hmm. and I had some of the same professors. <laughs> so I got my degree there and I really wanted to be a tornado chaser. Like that was my my goal. I wanted to go and chase tornadoes and study tornadoes. And I really wanted to go to um, Oklahoma <laughs> for school just to just to, to chase them. But Ohio State, it was nice being home, close to home, and they had a fantastic program. So from there, um, I would say I kind of got off track of wanting to be a tornado chaser because there was just so much, as you know, math, science, physics mm -hmm. involved in getting your atmospheric science degree that by the time I was done, I was just so burnt out. It was just a, a, a hard thing to study for. Um, so I just happened to a restaurant that I worked at in Columbus, Ohio, um, they were opening a restaurant in Washington, D.C., and it was about the time that we were supposed to get internships. And so I, I did an internship with Wilmington, the National Weather Service in Wilmington. That was one of my big internships in college. And they said, hey, why don't you do an internship with a television meteorologist? And just, just to see, because at the time you had weather producers uh, that would come up with the forecast for the talent on air. Now you know that talent on air does most of the forecasting, but back in the day, sometimes you had the behind the scenes weather producers in the big markets that would do the forecasting. So they said, hey, Jen, you don't have to be on air. So I found a weekend meteorologist in DC because I was opening up that restaurant during the summer and uh, her name was Chikage Windler. And she took me under her wing for that summer and I had no idea her husband was an, an editor at that station. And she's just like, I know you don't want to be on television, Jen, but let's just let's just try you in front of the green screen. So every time, every Sunday I'd be in there, she would put me in front of the green screen and say, what, what do you think? I, I think you'd really be good at this. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to be on television. I, I want nothing to do with that. I was very shy. I just I was more about the science than television. So um, when I ended my internship, uh, her husband gave me a tape and said, if you ever want to go into television meteorology, here's your reel. And piece together stuff. And I'm like, wow. So that's kind of how it started in the television realm of things. And uh, so what or at what point then did you start sending that reel out? Because your first TV mm -hmm. uh, job was in Bangor, Maine at WABI. Yes. So um, when did you start sending that reel out? Was it in, so in your senior year? It was my senior year. And like I said, um, I got burnt out with all the math and physics. I was just super excited mm -hmm. to graduate with my atmospheric science degree. I'm like, yes, I'm finally a meteorologist. I'm finally there. It was four years. And to go on and to study tornadoes and to go beyond your mm -hmm. master's degree was required um, to even do National Weather Service, to even want to get into the National Weather Service. So I'm like, you know what? Um, I need to take a break. And in the meantime, 
why don't I just try to do this television thing? Maybe I can become a weather producer, still forecast, but not beyond television. And back in the day, I sound very old now, back in the day, um, television stations at some point sometimes would pay for your master's degree for extending education. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, oh, if I can get that, <laughs> maybe I can work for a television station. They'll pay for my master's degree and I'll study and then I'll go and do the, the studying of tornadoes and become a weather chaser. Mm -hmm. But we know that that's, that's not the case, that the television stations just don't magically pay for your, your degree. So um, I started sending it out. Like I just, I need a break from school. Let's do this in the interim before I go back to school to study more. And that's when I started setting out my tape. And I believe Kirksville, Missouri, I believe was mm -hmm. one of them. Bangor, Maine, and there was somewhere else. It was a Maryland market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, those are the three to choose from. And I chose Bangor, Maine, because I wanted to see the nor'easters. <laughs> and I wanted to get so, as far away from the area as possible. I don't know. Like it just, you know, at that point at college, I was in Ohio for so long. I'm like, I want an adventure. I want to just see something different. <laughs> so you had offers from all three. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's yeah. really good. See? Hagerstown, uh, Maryland. That, that was it. Hagerstown. Hagerstown. Okay. Yeah. Well, good choice on Bangor. And oh. uh, how long were you in Bangor? What did you learn there? I was in Bangor for two years. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting thing about my job in Bangor, I was the weekend meteorologist, but during the week, I was an associate producer. So mm -hmm. that was kind of interesting because in the smaller markets, you there's sometimes meteorologist slash reporter or and I never took a journalism course. I mean, my mm -hmm. courses at Ohio State it was all weather. It was all weather related, all you know, no broadcasting courses either. So um, I was the weekend meteorologist, and then during the week, I was an associate producer for the afternoon shows. So I would be taking tapes from like across Maine, uh, different newscasts from like WGME, uh, uh, Portland area. And then there was like a station up in Caribou, Maine. So I'd be taking their feeds with their top news stories. And I would, my section was called across the state <laughs> kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I always, I sympathize with our producers now because I know when they're telling you to rap, they're, they're on a time schedule and I can kind of sympathize with I got the news end of things. So it was it was nice. Um, 45 degrees below zero for a wind mm. chill. That was one of mm. my main things that stuck out forecasting there. I stand outside and and I remember when it got that cold, like it got so cold in the wintertime that when it got to that freezing point, 32 degrees, we were all out in like t-shirts. Like, yeah, this is like a heat wave. Mm -hmm. um, so I just remember how cold the ice storms were ridiculous up there. I mean, we got, it, it was such a unique, kind of like Northeast Ohio, such a unique area to forecast for because you have the ocean, you have the mountains to the west of you, and then you got the in-between. So you had sort of lake effect, you had ocean effect, you had the, and it was such a small market, our range was just huge that we had to forecast for. So from early on, I started learning how tricky it is to forecast for different terrain, different areas in the same spot. You could be 30 miles away and you get more snow, less snow, warmer near the lake or near the ocean. 
Um, so I can tell you the first time I got my forecast wrong, I said it was supposed to be sunny and it was cloudy and it was cloudy because of the ocean. I just, I wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I was 22, 23 at the time. So I didn't have all of the little, you know, you learn, you pick up on things when you're in the area for so long. So I, I cried, I looked out the window and I cried and I said, go away clouds go away clouds like i was just i was crying and Mm. um the friend that i was with at the time he said jen if you're going to cry over every missed forecast you're in the wrong business i'm like but you know it's you spend so much time forecasting and you want to get it right you want to get it right and you get it right a lot of the times and some of the times you don't but man it's just it's like a oh Mm-hmm. Yeah. The atmosphere is very good at giving you clues exactly. and cues, but mm-hmm. that's all it gives you. It doesn't give you the uh, the answer. You have to figure it out. And Oh, I still remember my first big mistake in Iowa. We won't go there. I'll tell you personally sometime. <laughs> okay. it, it, it was one of those where I wanted to sit in a corner and cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that bad. Um, but people really do have uh, a, a lot of grace when it comes to forecasting uh, yeah. anywhere, you know, whether it be Northeast Ohio or, or Bangor, Maine. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about your eventual return to Northeast mm-hmm. Ohio. And then maybe we'll talk about uh, some of the non-weather things that drive Jen Harcher and her family. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right, we're back, and uh, let's uh, go from Bangor, Maine, Mm -hmm. to Ohio. Were there any interim stops before coming to Northeast Ohio? There was. Greenville, North Carolina. I was a Mm -hmm. forecaster, weekend meteorologist at WITN. So that was an an interesting stop. I went from Bangor to now on the East Coast uh, in the heart of the the hurricane areas at times. Um, I picked... Greenville, North Carolina, because uh, we're a huge fan of the Outer Banks. We vacation on the Outer Banks mm-hmm. as children, and my husband to be, because I got engaged in Maine. Um, he his family vacationed on the Outer Banks as well, so we chose Greenville, North Carolina, because it was three hours away from the Outer Banks. And again, I had a choice. It was between Greenville, North Carolina, and Burlington, Vermont. And I figured mm-hmm. I'd forecasted mm-hmm. the northeastern areas that I, I wanted to do the south. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Getting into the, the you know the Tar Heel state. So So you went from then Greenville to Ohio? Was I, that the jump? That was the mm-hmm. jump. That was uh, you know, I almost didn't make it to Ohio. Um when I was offered, I was offered a position about a year and a half in, and my station would not let me out of my contract, but it was for uh, Kansas City. And Ooh. I really mm-hmm. wanted to get out there because, you know, <laughs> me, I wanted to chase tornadoes. tornadoes. Like, that was my mm-hmm. dream job. And, and they Fine. were, uh, they had, like, kind of like we, like how we have Sky Fox in HD. Mm-hmm. They had a helicopter. They had a uh, uh, chaser on the ground and then the two meteorologists in with so it just i really wanted to go to kansas city but that was a little bit 
uh, before my contract was up and my station wouldn't let me out of my contract. Mm-hmm. But thankfully they didn't because when my contract came up, Cleveland came knocking. So that was... And we're glad you're back home. That's, yes. a, that's a good thing. All right. Uh, I guess I have to ask at this point. I'm going to pause <laughs> here and ask it because otherwise I'll forget. Okay. Have you ever seen a tornado? No. No, not in person. Um, I saw a tornado on our tower cam in WITN. I was warning on the tornado, and um, mm-hmm. it was off in a distance, but our tower cam to pick up on it. So, unfortunately, I wow. couldn't even, like, run outside to go and look to see if I could see it. It was on our tower cam. Um, I chased a lot when I was in North Carolina. Saw a lot of uh, funnel clouds come, like, halfway mm-hmm. down. Um, I hit, got into some baseball size hail. That was interesting. Ooh, ouch. But I have seen water spouts. I saw water mm-hmm. spouts in the Outer Banks. I've seen water spouts on Lake Erie, um, mm-hmm. but no no tornadoes. And I always say to myself, you know, I was going to go and do one of those tornado adventures out in the <laughs> tornado alley um, because I would never, I would never want to do that on my own without you know, all the instruments that you need Mm -hmm. to do that. I mean, it's a very dangerous thing to put yourself in that predicament. Now it's even more dangerous because you have so many of those extreme forecasters or extreme meteorologists out there that I I wouldn't even want to venture out in that area. Um, But I always wondered, like, if I saw a tornado, would I stand there, like, just mesmerized by it? Or would I be, or I get that extreme scary sensation? Mm -hmm. I... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I still kind of want to know, but if I if I never see one in my life, I'll be fine. <laughs> well, I hope you do from a distance, uh, a very yeah. very safe distance. Mm-hmm. So let's go from tornadoes then to water spouts mm-hmm. because that is a part of uh, what drives you personally. You are attracted to the water, mm-hmm. and you have a boat. I do, which I understand goes in the water tomorrow. It does. And so, so the season starts. Have you ever been on your craft in in your boat and seen a water spout while you were on your boat? No, I have not. Mm-hmm. Um, and when there's a forecast for water spouts, we don't mm-hmm. we don't take the boat out. Um, when I say I've seen water spouts from land from one of the beaches, so mm-hmm. I try not to. Um, whenever there's any kind of inclement weather. I'm I'm always on like our app or on any kind of weather app. Um, we also have radar on our boat too as well, but it's just not that kind of radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it, it's one thing that I take very seriously because on a boat, you're like a sitting duck. I mean, it's just, it, it takes time to get back to land. Mm-hmm. So I always try to forecast the window of, okay, well, when is the, when's there the chance that there could be these pop-up thunderstorms happening at that point? Like I'll know what time and I'll start looking at the app and we'll stay closer to shore rather than fishing like three miles, six miles out. So now um, did you get Jeff into boating or did Jeff get you into boating or was it a mutual mm -hmm. love of the water? Okay. So Oh, man. Mutual. So growing up, uh, my grandfather had a boat in Marblehead. Mm -hmm. So we would fish off of my grandfather's boat. My that was my dad's dad. My mom's mom 
had one of the recreation boats that we slept on and stuff, and she docked that at Cedar Point. So we got the best of both worlds. We were boating at Cedar Point and water skiing and doing all that stuff. Plus, we always had season passes to Cedar Point. And then when the boat got too crowded at night, we would go and spend the night at my other grandparents' house at Marblehead. And then we'd get up early in the morning with grandpa and go fishing. Now, my husband, his father always owned a boat. So he they would constantly be fishing on Lake Erie um, during his teenage years and even earlier than that. And then beyond that, he would do the the Gulf um, Gulf of Mexico fishing out of, out of mm-hmm. clear water like every summer with his his family. So uh, we've all yeah, we're we're both boaters. <laughs> it was it was inevitable have- that we moved back to Cleveland. And of course, a year after we moved home mm-hmm. in 2008, <laughs> we purchased our first boat. <laughs> And you have two boys, and uh, so are they going to be nautically inclined? Absolutely. <laughs> I oh, sure. absolutely. They are already very well. They they know the boat, our boat, more than I know our boat. Um, <laughs> they know how to tie up uh, different kinds of knots. I'm waiting to get them into the um, safety courses, boating safety courses, and in fact, I'm mm-hmm. wanting to yeah. take one yeah. too. Um, just to know the ins and the outs and the rules on the lake and everything, because I don't, I don't, I drive the boat once in a while if I have to, but my husband does all the, that kind of work on the boat. I kind of mm-hmm. just, I reel in the fish and <laughs> make sure the family's okay. But, um, I'm actually looking forward to taking one of those boater safety courses because it's, you got grandfathered in at our age right now, but now you actually have to take the course to get to be able to to drive a boat. So my boys will be doing that. Uh, they will likely know all the ins and outs of it. And right now they already do. I mean, they're, they're avid fishermen. <laughs> they can't wait to get out mm-hmm. there and catch some walleye right now. So... So who caught the fish that w- we were we were the benefactors of your fishing uh-huh. uh, when you gave us a lot of fish? I think it was uh, Lake Erie trout, uh, if my memory serves me walleye. right. But it, it well, walleye. I'm sorry, it was walleye. Mm-hmm. You're right, it was walleye, and it was delicious. We loved every second of it. So who caught those fish? It's a team effort, Andre. Oh, okay. <laughs> it really depends because um, we take turns. So once one catches mm-hmm. the fish and reels in, we um, we do we troll for fish. Oh, we okay. use planter uh, plank, planter boards on the sides of the boat, and we put out uh, three rods on each side, and then we have two dipsy divers in. Um, so and we go at least. I think it's like two miles an hour or 1.5 and we switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whichever one gets, uh, Parker's normally the first one that gets to reel in the first fish. <laughs> and then from there it goes to Colin and then to me and then to dad. Um, but we each get um, the limit six per person mm-hmm. and two rods per person. So we, we were excited when we started having children because we got more rods. <laughs> <laughs> bad to say and this you know this year i'm looking forward to hopefully catching some perch because the perch season the last couple of years have been has been bad in lake erie like we haven't Mm. and perch fishing i think for the younger kids is so much fun because you stop the boat you anchor up and you you get to feel the fish like when you're trolling for them you see the line go and you you could feel it reeling them in but you get to feel the bite and 
Mm, oh, I have some mm-hmm. great memories of getting like doubles and triples on our on our wow. spreads of perch. So I'm I'm hoping that maybe one of these years my boys will be able to to experience that. So, but this year I the will... limit went down. I think it's 10, 10 perch per person. Oh, really? Okay. Mm, it used to be thirty. So now you... it's ten. So you have to stay on top of, of all the year. rules. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'll have to have you over then uh, at some point in time with some of your catch uh, to make Icelandic plokfiskur, which is uh, which actually is a breakfast food uh, served to breakfast. Okay. But it's it's like stewed fish on a sweet rye bread. Yum. Uh, it, it really is very delightful, and uh, I'm not Icelandic, but I know. A lot of Icelanders, one of them living in Chagrin Falls, uh-huh. uh, and I said, "Come on over for some plokfiskur." And he goes, "You make plokfiskur?" I said, "Yeah, wow. come on over." And so he tried it, and I was curious because he is a native of Reykjavik, and he said, two thumbs up, oh. good plokfiskur." So I'll take you up on so that. So we'll have Andre. you over. I'll provide okay. the fish. <laughs> you provide the the magic. <laughs> And maybe at that outing, uh, we can record a, a, a version of uh, Weather Jazz, and uh, we'll do a Plokfisker tasting. Oh, I'd love that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, I've got uh, two questions. One is a tongue-in-cheek question from a, from a friend of mine that I got to know in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first one comes from Becky in Oroville. And aside from Ohio, which has to be your favorite state in the union, what is your second and third state favorite states and why? Becky and Orville. Okay, so she's absolutely right. Ohio is my number one. When you leave Ohio, for some reason, you want to come back. Like Jeff and I could not wait to get back. We were excited about the offer for me to come back to Cleveland mm-hmm. and we didn't want to raise our kids anywhere else. So Northeast Ohio top for sure. It has to do with the seasons um, and the great people, of course, our second, <laughs> it's the outer banks. We love North Carolina. We love uh, the outer banks. Uh, so that, because it's, it's got the remote feel to it. You can drive on the beach Um so that's one area. Plus, you kind of still get seasons there as well, just not not mm-hmm. the kind of snows that we get. But it's not too hot, not too cold, and you can always go out towards the the mountains. Plus, the people in uh, when we were in Greenville, North Carolina, uh, they were amazing. We had lots of um, book clubs and different like car games. I mean, just the people there were amazing too. So we really liked uh, North Carolina. Um, third. That is a tough one. Maybe some ties in there. Uh, you know, if you'd ask my husband, it'd be Florida. It'd be the Tampa area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay. not so sure because it's just so darn hot. Um, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind being able to boat and to catch the awesome catch that they get in the Gulf of Mexico. So I would probably say Ohio and North Carolina. For my oh, two. And we're going to keep it there. We're going to keep it two. at Ohio and North Carolina until I start... Uh, start some more adventures. You know, I really love uh, Colorado too. I love the mountains mm-hmm. out there. So mm-hmm. that that that's another one that's way up there, uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, till till I continue to travel. <laughs> Once I can start traveling again, I'm <laughs> hoping soon. So, 
You must be a consumer then of duck donuts then. <laughs> yes, I've had duck donuts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We were at the very first one uh, in Duck, North Carolina, <laughs> uh-huh. when there was only one store. And of course, now they're all over the place, including mm-hmm. right here in North e- Northeast Ohio. So, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I'm a huge fan of Duck Donuts, that's for sure. Sally, my wife, does not care for donuts. No! Except, except when I came home with these Duck Donuts when uh, we were down there, uh-huh. and she tried one. I took a shower. I came back downstairs, and there were like three missing. <laughs> so where, where are the donuts? And, and then she just kind of looked at me with with a big grin on her face, like, "Oh boy, mm-hmm. okay." And then she said, "Those are the only donuts that she really likes uh, because they're fresh and mm-hmm. and uh, it's an experience. It very is very fun. Glaze, glaze. That's the winner. Glazed donut uh, donuts. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. One more question. Sure. Tongue-in-cheek tongue comes from Dwayne Hoffmeyer. Okay. Uh, he is a congregant of a church that I was an interim pastor at in Kirtland uh, a couple of years ago. And he is just a delightful uh, gentleman. He's in his 80s. He bike rides everywhere, bike rides the towpath uh. Uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so his question is, and his words, not mine. Okay. Is spring here yet? <laughs> you know, we get that question every year. Mm-hmm. Every single yeah. year. I wonder why. Uh-huh. You know what? I, I really think we've had a decent spring. Yes, the first two weeks of May. But remember March? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. March came around and it was dry. It was sunny. In fact, I think it was like mm-hmm. a record amount of sunshine we had. So, you know, when you're talking as a meteorologist, spring is March April, May. Right. So mm-hmm. I I really think we've had a good spring so far. And in fact, I'm a fan of this spring because our we've hadn't had a record amount of rain. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been right. You know, at least for the for the, the last two weeks we've had a lot of rain, but um it had Lake Erie levels went way down. And for the last two years, we've had flooding at our boat dock big time and we couldn't enjoy our boat dock. So I, I say spring is here and I'm a fan of this spring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of the last two weeks um, with it being cooler and rainier. But I mean, we've got mm. some beautiful weather as we wrap oh, yeah. up our yeah. uh, last month of meteorological spring. Well, Dwayne, there you go. If yeah. you're listening, and I'm sure he is. Mm-hmm. There you go. Spring has been okay. Uh-huh. I don't okay. know. Maybe, maybe he he went to uh, like north to northern Alaska or something, <laughs> and he didn't know it. So uh, anyway, know, it's everybody's it's a- opinion. Hey, Andre, I just have one thing to. <laughs> I had, do. I had a go viewer uh, email me mm-hmm. and said it's mm-hmm. an Andre's podcast. So I want to give a shout out to Martin Campbell. He had a quick mm-hmm. question, not weather related whatsoever, but he wanted to know, and he's from Lexington. So if you know Lexington down towards the Mansfield area, right. yeah. he asked if what sports, if any, did I play in high school and or college? Thanks. Have a great day. So in high school, I played volleyball and basketball. Those are my two sports. So I want to ah, say. Do you still play any of that? Any of those sports at all? No, I've been doing a lot of baseball <laughs> with my kids, mm-hmm. um, but I right. did play, I did play baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I was softball for actually most of growing up through my elementary into middle school. Um, but high school, my parents are like, we can't do three sports <laughs> like every single season. And, you know, after 
volleyball and basketball, I was I was done anyhow. But I'm a huge baseball fan too. So my that, that's what my sons are in right now. So thanks, Martin, for the question. I really appreciate it. And I had another guy, right, I think on our Facebook page, a gentleman, write about the warmest temperature, water temperature ever recorded in, at Cleveland. Now, Andre, yeah. I'm not, I don't know at Cleveland. I, I know. Think 79. I think unofficially we saw an 80, but I don't think it recorded it officially as an 80. I think it went into the book as a 79. As a 79. That's what I thought. Yeah. And and it's kind of interesting because people on a boat are like, man, I've seen temperatures in the 80s and so like at the surface. But where we take the official temperature, it's 30 feet down. So you have to keep that in mind. The official temperature, 30 feet down. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking about June, we're thinking ahead because we're thinking after spring. Uh, the average water temperature temperature in June 62 in July 72 August Ooh, the average water nicer. temperature 74 so there you go yeah. bath water so there we go there's some water facts I want to thank the viewer that asked that question too and we'll continue to get on top of that Cleveland one I believe I, Andre's right 79 officially I know it's been 80 at Toledo, but never an 80 at Cleveland so well, let's work on that maybe we can hit a new record high at some point yes Mm-hmm. Always a joy. And you come on anytime you like, and, and maybe we'll do a Plokfisker edition at some point. In I'm time. looking forward to that. Our, our first or second catch, I'll be calling you. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Andre. Well, I'll tell you what. I think I am the luckiest meteorologist in the United States to work with such a talented group of dedicated scientists, meteorologists, those who love the weather and are just fascinating people. And over time, over the course of 2021, I will have all of the Fox 8 meteorologists join me on an open line Friday so that uh, that way you can have a chance to get to know them as well. Hope you enjoyed today's Friday episode. Open Line Friday, it's one of my favorite. Help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence on social media, by email, by word of mouth, over the fence to the neighbor, however it is you communicate with those around you. And again, special thanks to all of you who continue to partner and support Weather Jazz. And I never get tired of giving you this list. Victoria Singer in Vermont. In Ohio, Dale Osborne, Will and Tonya Krause, Christine Barnes, Rose Moore. In Florida, Bill Martin and Andrea Rich in Tennessee. And this list has plenty of room for you. Again, if this list took a half hour to go through, I would do it. It is your dedication to this podcast and program that really keeps me going. I would love to add your name to that list. It's easy to become a supporter. You'll find the links at the bottom of every episode's show notes on weatherjazz.com. Today's episode is 190. Well, do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I welcome your input. By the way, we recently, just in the past 12 hours, had somebody ask me, why isn't the wind turbine at the Great Lakes Science Center spinning? Well, believe it or not, we actually covered that toward the end of episode number 186. 
So if you're listening to this and that has piqued your attention and you too would like to know why, just go into the archive episodes, weatherjazz.com, scroll down to episode number 186, have a listen, and I will discuss just exactly why that wind turbine has not been moving for quite some time. At any rate, you may have another question or a topic suggestion. And this is how you go about getting those questions or topic suggestions to me. Two ways. Email. Send your email to weatherjazz at yahoo.com and also via voicemail. That really is my favorite way. That way I can hear your voice. You can call me at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That's 234-525-5888. Again, 234-525-5888. Not to worry. If you're listening to this in the car, just go to weatherjazz.com. And all of that data is at the bottom of every episode. And that way you can transcribe it at your leisure. If you are listening to Weather Jazz via one of the many podcast apps that are out there, remember to subscribe so that you can automatically download every episode as I make them available. And please offer up a review on that platform if they offer that. Uh, That always helps to get the word out. That's one of the ways that you can increase the visibility of Weather Jazz to those around you. By the way, if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area or plan to visit or simply traveling through, you can catch my 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. weekday weather segments on WJW Television, Fox 8, or online live at fox8.com. I've also made it even easier. You go to weatherjazz.com, click on the Fox 8 Live tab at the very top, click on the player, and you can watch. Remember, if you're not in the Eastern Time Zone, make the transition so that you're watching 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And of course, all of our staff is great, too. Well, have a great weekend, everybody. We're going to see you soon on Monday with another engaging episode right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.